Well, if you're somebody that works a nine to five job and you want to make some more time for landscape photography, you want to get the most bang for your buck, the most bang for your time. I really think today's episode is going to be a great one for you to listen to. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Learn Landscape Photography Podcast. I feel like every single episode I say the same, what's up? Welcome back. I really don't know what else to say. Does anyone have ideas of what to say other than welcome back to the podcast? Anyways, I don't want to waste too much of your time here, but uh, today on the podcast, we've got a really great episode. I know there's a lot of you guys out there that are definitely working that nine to five. Photography is your passion, but it is definitely not your income and it is not uh, something that you're able to do maybe as much as you can. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked to Miles Morgan on the podcast about how to make time for things like family and kind of extracurricular activities, if you will, among photography. Now, today's episode on the podcast is a very, very similar, and I am talking to Sonia Sachs. Sonia is an amazing photographer, an adventurer, backpacker, whatever you want to call it. She does so much. I'm honestly so impressed. And Sonia works your regular Monday through Friday, nine to five job. And I am always amazed at how much bang for her buck in terms of her time she's getting out of every single weekend. seems like every time I look at my Instagram story, I'm at home sitting, editing YouTube videos, editing podcasts, and she's out in the mountains capturing some great photos. And of course, on top of the fact that she's out there all the time and able to find that time and give us some advice on how to make more more of that time. She's an incredible photographer as well. I love her work. I love her editing style. Uh, and I think that she really has a lot of great stuff to give us. And after recording this podcast, I knew this was going to be a great episode for you guys to just listen along. Uh, there will be tons of great advice for you guys in order to not only improve your photography, but maybe make some more time or figuring out how to get more bang for your buck, if you will. So really hope you guys enjoy. Here is my conversation with Sonia Sachs. All right. Well, I'm really excited to welcome you, Sonia, to the podcast. Will you go ahead and tell our listeners about yourself for people that may not be familiar? Yeah. First off, thank you, Austin. I'm so excited to be here as well. Uh, so my name is Sonia and I'm an adventure landscape and budding wildlife photographer based in Seattle. I grew up in Wisconsin, but my husband and I moved to Washington in 2017 solely for better access to the mountains. I work full-time at Eddie Bauer Corporate, but I spend most of my weekends hiking, backpacking, skiing, just really anything to get me into the mountains of Washington. Yeah, that's great. And for our listeners, uh, I think when you say you spend a lot of weekends in the mountains, like you really spend a lot of weekends in the mountains. I mean, I, when I'm looking at your social media, like every weekend, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're doing something cool again this weekend. Um, and I know that you had mentioned that you came from Washington or you came from the Midwest to Washington um, because of the access to the mountains. So will you just speak to how important is the place that you lived to be able to have that opportunity to get out every single weekend and explore something new? Yeah, it's extremely important to me. Uh, and I feel incredibly privileged to live in a place that offers such a wide range of adventures right out of the back door. And I think I might feel even a little bit more grateful um, since I did spend a lot of my time in Wisconsin where I was, I spent a ton of time there dreaming about um, living somewhere where I could go to the mountains. 
Um, when I was in Wisconsin, every time we wanted to go to the mountains, we had to fly. It was something that we had to plan months in advance. Uh, so being in Washington now where I could look at the forecast and say, I'm going to go here or here, uh, it, it just makes me feel incredibly grateful to have that opportunity. Um, like I see Mount Rainier on my drive to work every day. That to me, growing up, that is just unfathomable. So I feel very happy. Yeah, it's a great place to be. I mean, the whole Northwest, just so much to do. You're right there by the ocean and the coast and the beach. And then the other direction, you've got mountains and so much to do. And I know, so there's a lot of people out there, especially people I think that listen to this podcast that they work that normal nine to five Monday through Friday, and they're just gassed every week. They feel like they don't have enough energy to get out and adventure and shoot on the weekend. Um, however, as I mentioned before, it seems like you guys are out doing something so incredibly cool every single weekend. So what is the secret sauce to having the energy to fill out that weekend after a long work week? That's a great question, uh, especially timely as I'm currently mustering up my willpower to go backpacking this weekend when I'm kind of craving a lazy weekend on the couch. <laughs> um, but for me, going into the mountains really fills me up with energy in a kind of paradoxical way. Uh, I can be so tired on Friday. I can be so tired on the drive to a trailhead. Uh, but once I'm moving, I kind of feel like a, a flower budding in the sun. Like I, I truly come alive. Uh, so I usually come home from adventures feeling more energized and happy and grounded, uh, than I did on the outset. Uh, so even if I'm spending, uh, the weekend hiking 20 miles and gaining four or 5,000 feet of elevation, I somehow come back more energized and full of life. Uh, so that's kind of what keeps me going every single weekend. That's great. Um, do you have any advice for someone to maximize their time outdoors, adventuring and shooting? So I used to absolutely cram trips from sunrise to sunset with activities. I didn't plan any time for rest whatsoever. Uh, I can remember one time when my husband and I were in Wisconsin, uh, we flew out to Oregon for a three-day trip. And over that time, we explored Mount Hood and Crater Lake and managed to capture every sunrise, sunset, and took night photography at all different locations. Wow. <laughs> and I think we slept a total of eight or nine hours that whole weekend. Uh, so I would I would say I, would, I used to be kind of... Uh, really good at maximizing my time that way by just cramming, uh, days with itinerary stops. Um, I've tried to get a little bit better at that and, and plan rest into it because you can get burned out. You can get exhausted. Uh, but just making sure that I have thoroughly researched a destination, um, coming up with plan A, B, C, D, E, uh, just if forecast mean makes it, uh, less likely that we can, for example, shoot sunset at one location, I try to have an opportunity, something in my back pocket for a second location. Yeah, that's great. And I think that like, especially for myself, as I've gotten older, I've kind of moved away from, it sounds like kind of the mindset that you used to have of the like sleep is for the week, you know, we'll sleep when we get home and then kind of pivot to feel differently about it. So, right. So as if adventuring outdoors and taking photos wasn't enough already. I know that you frequently post on your website and you've got like a blog slash trip reports section, which by the way is really cool. And I love reading it. How do you have time for all of this? 
Yeah, so I really consider photography and writing kind of like a second job to me in terms of how much time I spend on it. Uh, and I have a pretty tight schedule for myself when I get back from trips uh, just to make sure that I'm editing and writing while memories are still fresh in my mind. I found if I don't immediately jump into it, um, it can kind of fall by the wayside. Uh, but what I do when I get back from a trip is I have a whole day by day to do list for my week. And I treat it the same way I treat my week, uh, for my, my, uh, full-time job deliverables. Uh, I have a to-do list of everything I want to accomplish in a day. And then, uh, I set out to accomplish that and I try to keep it pretty realistic. Um, but I still probably spend an extra two to three hours a night, uh, after working full-time, just working on editing photos and writing. That's a lot. Um, I'm impressed. I guess uh, the next thing probably that I wanted to talk about, um, which I know we've, we already talked about how to maximize your time spent outdoors, but I want to talk about um, maximizing, making your dollar stretch the furthest. Because I know for a lot of people working a nine to five, you know, they might not have a lot of extra money to do things. So do you have any advice for people to stretch their, in addition to their time, also stretch their dollar and make it go a little bit further? Yeah. One of the things that uh, my husband and I did recently was we built out a sleeping platform for the back of our car, which has helped tremendously um, on adventure trips uh, because we can just kind of set that up. And, and now sleeping in the car is incredibly comfortable, uh, whereas we used to have to either get a hotel or um, try to find campgrounds. Um, now we just sleep in the back of their car and, and it's really freed us up as well. Yeah. Especially for photographers. I think that's so great. I used to have uh, well, I still have the back of my car built out the same way. And it's so nice as a photographer to be able to do that because, you know, a lot of times we want to sit and we want to get that great sunset at a location. And it's likely that your location's not really close to a hotel or a campground. So it's nice to be able to just a lot of times camp out wherever you're shooting. And then you can also shoot the sunrise as well. And that'll help kind of maximize your opportunity, your time, uh, as well as save you a little bit of money. So I think that's great. I want to take a break from today's episode and talk about a really cool opportunity if you are a beginner or intermediate photographer that is really serious about taking better photos and getting better at photography. Now, usually about four to six times a year, I teach in-person workshops around the Western United States centered around helping you become a better photographer. Now, my workshops are kept to just five people, which means that you will get plenty of one-on-one -on -one attention. So regardless of your skill level, whether you just picked up your first camera or whether you've been shooting for 15 years, I promise you, you're going to get so much out of it. I'm going to cater the class directly to you. Best of all, after the workshop, I'm going to add you to my alumni group on Facebook where you can get literally weekly image feedback. We can connect at all times. Uh, when the workshop is over, it's not done. I'm still going to be your mentor. I'm going to be there to help you and become better at photography. Now, like I said, if you're serious about becoming better at photography, don't wait any longer. Register for one of my workshops this year. You can visit austinjamesjackson.com slash workshops. That link will be down below in the podcast description that you can click on as well. I really can't wait to see you guys out there. 
And one of my favorite things about your work in particular is just how many places you've been able to capture. And there's not any, not even a single one of your photos, I think that looks overcooked, which is a really big problem for people that are shooting outdoor photography. Do you have any advice on the editing aspect of things to avoid overcooking your edits? Yeah. Well, first, I really appreciate you saying that because I get nervous sometimes that I overcook my images, maybe even to the point of undercooking them in the process. Um, But my goal with my photography is really to capture places in a realistic manner. Um, So when I'm editing, I try to remember what the scene looked like and felt like in my mind's eye and evoke that feeling in the image. But I definitely go for a less is more approach when editing. For example, I don't really play with the hue sliders at all. Uh, and I, I also don't uh, expand mountains or anything like that. I know that there are some really beautiful ways to make landscape photography more artistic. And there are some incredible images that I've seen. Um, but my goal with my image, with my photos is to inspire people to get outside and go on adventures of their own. And so if someone sees one of my photos and goes to a place, I don't want them to be disappointed if uh-huh. the image that I'm portraying is, is not realistic. So that's kind of my headspace when I'm editing my photos. Yeah, that's great. And I think for each each person that's shooting photos, you can decide that for yourself. You know, if you want to create these kind of more realistic looking images, um, more of like a a journalism style. One thing I think that's important to consider. I know that a lot of magazines, um, if you want to submit your images to like a magazine, they're looking for realistic photos. And so they'll a lot of times require you to send them your raw edit. And if you've like expanded a mountain and added some flowers and added a sunset there, you might have just lost out on a little bit of money from publishing your images. So I think that's great uh, to to keep things look really realistic. And I really like the way that you edit. Um, And I think in addition to that, in particular, landscape photographers, definitely, they really glorify these wide angle, beautiful sunset shots, which are really difficult to get. And when I look at your portfolio, you certainly have a few of these, but a lot of your work uh, looks like it's maybe photos taken when the light might be less than optimal, but you still come out with some really amazing images. Do you have any advice for photographers like yourself that have limited time? Maybe they're limited to just the weekend uh, to capture lighting when, or to capture photos when the lighting is subpar? Yeah, definitely. So I take about 99% of my photos while on some sort of backcountry trip, which usually means I have a goal destination of where I have to be by camp. Uh, So I don't really have the luxury of waiting around for the perfect light. Um, So what I've found is I really try to work with the light that I have instead of trying to force what I don't have. Uh, And that might mean that there might be a beautiful um, towering mountain but it's just completely washed out with the way that the light is. So instead of trying to force a photo of that, I'll see where the light looks good. See if there's any cool shadows um, that I can kind of hone in on. And something that's really helped with this is uh, experimenting with different focal lengths. So sometimes with a wide angle lens, especially in the middle of the day, you're going to have a huge sweeping uh, landscape in front of you that might not be the best light, but Maybe if I take out my 300 millimeter and start to kind of play around with it, I'll see that there are 
areas where there is a cool composition or something interesting, maybe of a tree illuminated um, in a certain way, or maybe some cool shadows are playing off on some jagged mountain ridges. Uh, So that's kind of how I try to experiment and work with what I have instead of kind of lamenting what I don't have. Yeah, that's such great advice for anyone listening to the podcast. I think we kind of go through this, at least in my opinion, we go through this progression as photographers where like you're new and you still don't know a lot and then you kind of advance and you become kind of like uh, amateur. And then it's like in that amateur stage in the middle there, you really try and force a lot of things and you try and like make the light happen. Uh, And then I think that the people that are really doing the best work out there, in my opinion, are the people that, like you said, they're making do with what they've got uh, rather than trying to force something. Because when you force something, it's probably not going to work as much as if you just try and work with what you got. So I, I love that advice Um, for anyone listening. Definitely something that you should consider is work with what you've got. Don't try and make it something it's not. Um, But, and then kind of switching gears here, I do want to talk about, at least for me personally, I know that backpacking and overnight trips has definitely enabled me to capture better photos and take my photography to another level. Do you find this to be true for yourself? Oh, a thousand percent. Definitely. Um, when backpacking, it means I get to spend a sunset, sunrise, and, uh, a whole night in a location, uh, which is really as we were just speaking about getting the right light has really allowed me to have more, uh, just more exposure to um, beautiful moments that I might've not seen if I was just doing a day hike. Uh, So I also have more time I've found. Uh, I don't have to worry about being back to a car or being back for anything at home. So when I'm at camp, I really spend that whole time Um, taking photos, looking for compositions. And I think that's really helped me grow as a photographer. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I think one thing that I personally think is that you are a master of the little person, big landscape photo that is so sought after, I think. And uh, they, those kind of photos really show off the massive scale of a lot of these mountains and places you like to visit. Do you have any advice for people to capture this little person, big landscape kind of photo? A red jacket. (laughs) Um, There you go. (laughs) Definitely helps. But um, yeah, finding contrast between the subject and the landscape and making sure that they don't blend in um, is something that's really important here. Um, It can be hard if the landscape is really rocky or uh, full of trees. It can be easy for people to blend in, especially if they're going to be very small in the photo. Um, So having something that can... Uh, give more contrast to them against the landscape um, is really helpful. And I also find that I, I like to feature the person moving in the photo, whether that's hiking or skiing or skinning uphill. Uh, I think that having uh, a relationship showed between the person and the landscape conveys more of a connection. Uh, And I think that's a really important part of the kind of little person in the big landscape. It's showing a connection between humans and their surroundings. Absolutely. And do you find when you're shooting those photos, you said you like to have someone moving, do you actually have them move or do you have them like pose like they're moving? You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, it can be a, a, a little bit of both. Um, when I'm with my husband, I feel like I have more freedom to to uh, ask him to maybe stop and then start hiking if I if I yeah. have to kind of <laughs> get into get into position. Um, but a lot of times they're actually moving. When I'm with hiking partners, a lot of times they don't want to stop moving. They want to keep going. They have somewhere to be. Yeah, uh, so I have to take a lot of those photos on the fly, so to speak. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and a lot, I think that the, the contrast advice is huge also for people that are trying to take that kind of photo. It took me probably way longer than it should have to realize how important that natural contrast is. And one, like a great example of this is if you're shooting a person and there's maybe a mountain in the background, rather than having behind the person from the angle that you're shooting rather than have that be rocks of the mountainside have it be a patch of snow because that snow is white and that person is whatever they're wearing is probably not white and so they're going to pop out better you're going to be able to see them better so think about how important what is directly behind them is and a lot of times you it's you the photographer that needs to move to a different spot as opposed to the hiker or person or whatever it is so I love that advice. Um, and I, I also did want to talk about, I mentioned snow here. A lot of the shots in your portfolio are from winter, which is a time, especially in the Pacific Northwest, having lived up there, I know that, uh, a lot of people don't shoot outdoors. Uh, it's certainly a really tough time to get great photos. Do you have any advice for people for winter photography? Yeah. Um, I like to call winter photography, snowtography. Um, and it's probably one of my favorite types of photography. Uh, I found that pho- photography in the winter is incredibly freeing. Um, and it really is creatively stimulating. Uh, the snow transforms the entire landscape into a blank canvas. It feels like, um, and because you can kind of walk anywhere in the snow, you're not constrained to trails. So it's really a choose your own adventure. You can go anywhere within safety reason. Um, But I found that that actually, it does work really well for the little person, big landscape concept, uh, because you can have your subject walk anywhere or ski anywhere and, and you have the freedom to move around greatly as well. Um, I've also found that snowy landscapes really lend themselves to beautiful black and white photos. Uh, The contrast can be stunning. So that's something that I've been working on uh, in the wintertime is is starting to work more with black and white photography in in those moments. That's great. Um, Yeah, especially you mentioned one thing that I kind of think about when you mentioned that you can walk anywhere is to think about before you walk through your scene, think about where you're walking because in the winter uh, you don't want footprints in your snow. So don't, uh, you can walk anywhere, but think about where you're walking before you walk. Cause once you walk through a spot, you maybe will not want to photograph it anymore, depending on what you're trying to do. So that's great. Um, the last, I, I, we can kind of wrap things up here. The last question I always like to ask people, um, then I ask everybody on the podcast is if you had one piece of advice for a landscape photographer that's trying to take better photos, what would it be? It doesn't have to do anything with anything we've talked about in this episode. It could be something totally random, but do you have one piece of advice? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to take bad photos or a whole slew of bad photos because that's how you learn. Um, I still take a ton of awful photos. I look at them in Lightroom and wonder what I was thinking. Um, 
but that's kind of how you learn uh, just through trial and error and experimentation of uh, seeing what works, um, the kind of vision that you want to portray. Uh, I had to use this kind of when I was first, uh, first bought my 70 to 300 millimeter lens. I had no idea what I was doing with it. Uh, I had been so used to shooting at 16 to 35 that I was really struggling to find good compositions with uh, such a drastically different focal length. Uh, but after taking a ton of terrible photos uh, and learning what worked, what didn't work, it's now my favorite lens to use. And it's probably the lens I use most now. Yeah, I can second that. I also love my telephoto. So um, yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Great piece of advice. I really like that. Um, again, thank you so much, Sonia, for being on the podcast. Will you tell us where we can find more of your work and see your stuff? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and now threads. Uh, my username's Sonia.sachs. And you can also find my trip reports on my website, soniasachs.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Austin. I appreciate it. there you guys have it. Another amazing conversation with an amazing photographer in person that has so much great advice to listen to. I love talking to Sonia. She is so nice and just so much great information. And I really hope that you guys found it helpful as well. So I've been podcasting now for probably about three months or so, and I'm really having a lot of fun with it. But if you guys have any recommendations of how I can do better, make it more worth your time, please feel free to reach out to me, Austin at austinjamesjackson.com or reach out via Instagram, Facebook, whatever, however you want to reach me, find me online, reach me. Let me know if you guys have any suggestions or of course, if there's anything you want me to cover on the podcast or any guests that you would love for me to have on, let me know. I'm having a lot of fun with it, but ultimately the most important thing to me is that you guys feel like you can come on here, get the most most amount of information in the least amount of time. I cannot stand those podcasts that talk about stories for an hour long and you leave after an hour and a half long episode and you've maybe got one thing that was helpful for you. Uh, I want my podcast to be absolutely jam packed, loaded with information so that you can listen to it three, four, five times if you want and still get great information. So if there's anything I can do to better serve my purpose to you guys, please feel free to let me know. Otherwise, I want to thank you guys again so much for listening to this week's podcast and we will see you guys next week. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get those downloads instantly in your inbox every Monday morning. Hey, you guys have a great week and we'll see you guys next time. Adios. Adios.